Hi, this is book three, episode five of Puritans Read, where we read great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Continuing today, The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson. Chapter four, showing the characteristics of a godly man. And section five, a godly man is very exact and careful about the worship of God. The Greek word for godly signifies a true worshiper of God. A godly man reverences divine institutions and is more for the purity of worship than the pomp. Mixture in sacred things is like a dash in the wine, which though it gives it a color, yet only adulterates it. The Lord wanted Moses to make the tabernacle according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. Exodus twenty-five forty. If Moses had left out anything in the pattern, or added anything to it, it would have been very provocative. The Lord has always given testimonies of his displeasure against such as have corrupted his worship. Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire, other than God had sanctified on the altar, and fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. Whatever is not of God's own appointment in his worship, he looks upon as strange fire. And no wonder he is so highly incensed at it. For it is as if God were not wise enough to appoint the manner in which he will be served. Men will try to direct him, and as if the rules for his worship were defective, they will attempt to correct the copy and superadd their inventions. A godly man dare not vary from the pattern which God has shown him in the scripture. This is probably not the least reason why David was called a man after God's own heart, because he kept the springs of God's worship pure, and in matters sacred did not superinduce anything of his own devising. Use. By this characteristic, we may test ourselves, whether we are godly. Are we careful about the things of God? Do we observe that mode of worship which has the stamp of divine authority upon it? It has dangerous consequences to make a medley in religion. Number one, those who will add to one part of God's worship will be as ready to take away from another. Laying aside the commandment of God Ye hold the tradition of men. Mark 7, 8. They who will bring in a tradition will in time lay aside a command. This the papists are very guilty of. They bring in altars and crucifixes and lay aside the second commandment. They bring in oil and cream in baptism and leave out the cup in the Lord's Supper. They bring in praying for the dead and lay aside reading the scriptures intelligibly to the living. Those who will introduce into God's worship that which he has not commanded will be as ready to blot out that which he has commanded. Number two, those who are for outward commixtures in God's worship are usually regardless of the vitals of religion. Living by faith leading a strict, mortified life, these things are of less concern to them. Wasps have their combs, but 
no honey is in them. The religion of many may be likened to those ears which all run to straw. Number three, superstition and profanity kiss each other. Has it not been known that those who have kneeled at a pillar have reeled against a post? Number four, such as are devoted to superstition are seldom or never converted. Publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Matthew 21, 31. This was spoken to the chief priests, who were great formalists, and the reason why such persons are seldom wrought upon savingly is because they have a secret antipathy to the power of godliness. The snake has a fine color, but it has a sting. So outwardly, men may look zealous and devout, but retain a sting of hatred in their hearts against goodness. Hence it is that they who have been most hot on superstition have been most hot on persecution. The Church of Rome wears white linen, an emblem of innocence, but the Spirit of God paints her out in scarlet. Revelation 17.4 Why is this? Not only because she puts on a scarlet robe, but because her body is of a scarlet dye, having imbrued her hands in the blood of the saints. Revelation 17.6 Let us then, as we would show ourselves to be godly, keep close to the rule of worship, and in the things of Jehovah, go no further than we can say, it is written. Section 6 A godly man is a servant of God, not a servant of men. This characteristic has two distinct branches. I shall speak of both in order. 6a. A godly man is a servant of God. We are the servants of God of heaven. Ezra 5.11 Apophras, a servant of Christ. Colossians 4.12 Question. In what sense is a godly man a servant of God? Answer. In seven respects. Number one, a servant leaves all others and confines himself to one master. So a godly man leaves the service of sin and betakes himself to the service of God. Romans 6.22 Sin is a tyrannizing thing. A sinner is a slave when he sins with most freedom. The wages which sin gives may deter us from its service. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 Here is damnable pay. A godly man enlists himself in God's family and is one of his menial servants. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant. Psalm 116.16 David repeats himself as if he had said, Lord, I have given my pledge. No one else can lay claim to me. My ear is bored to thy service. Number two, a servant is not independent at his own disposal, but at the disposal of his master. A servant must not do what he pleases, but be at the will of his master. Thus, a godly man is God's servant. He is wholly at God's disposal. He has no will of his own. Thy will be done on earth. 
Some will say to the godly, Why cannot you behave like others? Why will you not drink and swear and profane the Sabbath as others do? The godly are God's servants. They must not do what they want, but be under the rules of the family. They must do nothing but what they can show their master's authority for. Number three, a servant is bound. There are covenants and indentures sealed between him and his master. Thus there are indentures drawn in baptism. And in conversion, the indentures are renewed and sealed. There we bind ourselves to God to be his sworn servants. I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. Psalm 119, 106. A godly man has tied himself to the Lord by vow, and he makes conscience of his vow. He would rather die by persecution than live by perjury. Psalm 56, 12. Number four, a servant not only wears his master's livery, but does his work. Thus a godly man works for God. St. Paul spent and was spent for Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 15. He worked harder than all the other apostles. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. A godly man is active for God to his last breath, even unto the end. Psalm 119, 112. Only the dead rest from their labors. Revelation 14, 13. Number five. A servant follows his master. Thus a godly man is a servant of God. While others wonder after the beast, he follows after the lamb. Revelation 13.3 and 14.4 He wants to tread in the steps of Christ. If a master leaps over hedge and ditch, the servant will follow him. A godly man will follow Christ through afflictions. If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9:23 Peter wanted to follow Christ on the water. A godly man will follow Christ though it is death every step. He will keep his goodness when others are bad. As all the water in the salt sea cannot make the fish salt, but they still retain their freshness. So all the wickedness in the world cannot make a godly man wicked, but he still retains his piety. He will follow Christ in the worst times. Number six, a servant is satisfied with his master's allowance. He does not say, I will have such provisions made ready. If he has short commons, he does not find fault. He knows he is a servant and accepts his master's carving. In this sense, a godly man is God's servant. He is willing to live on God's allowance. If he has only some leftovers, he does not grumble. Paul knew he was a servant. Therefore, whether more or less fell to his share, he was indifferent. Philemon 4.11 When Christians complain at their condition, they forget that they are servants and must live on the allowance of their heavenly master. You who have the least bit from God, will die in his debt. Number seven, 
a servant will stand up for the honor of his master. He cannot hear his master reproached, but will vindicate his credit. Thus, every godly man will stand up for the honor of his master, Christ. My zeal hath consumed me. Psalm 119, 139. A servant of God stands up for his truths. Some can hear God's name reproached and his ways spoken against, yet remain silent. God will be ashamed of such servants and reject them before men and angels. Use. Let us declare ourselves godly by being servants of the Most High God. Consider, firstly, God is the best master. He is punctilious in all his promises. There is no God like thee, in heaven above or on earth beneath, who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise. 1 Kings 8, 23 and 56. God is of a most sweet, gracious disposition. He has this quality that he is slow to anger and ready to forgive. Psalm 103.8 and 86.5 In our wants, he relieves us. In our weakness, he pities us. He reveals his secrets to his servants. Psalm 25.14, Proverbs 3.32 He waits on his servants. Was there ever such a master? Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. Luke twelve thirty seven. When we are sick, he makes our bed. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. Psalm 41, 3. He holds our head when we are fainting. Other masters may forget their servants and cast them off when they are old, but God will not. Thou art my servant. O Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. Isaiah 44, 21. It is a slander to say, God is a hard master. Secondly, God's service is the best service. There are six privileges in God's service. 1. Freedom. Though the saints are bound to God's service, yet they serve him freely. God's Spirit, who is called a free spirit, Psalm 51, 12, makes them free and cheerful in obedience. The Spirit carries them on the wings of delight. He makes duty a privilege. He does not force, but draw. He enlarges the heart in love and fills it with joy. God's service is perfect freedom. 2. Honor David the king professed himself one of God's pensioners. I am thy servant. Psalm 143.12 St. Paul, when he wants to blaze his coat of arms and set forth his best heraldry, does not call himself Paul, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, or Paul of the tribe of Benjamin, but Paul a servant of Jesus Christ. Romans 1, 1. Theodosius thought it a greater dignity to be God's servant than to be an emperor. 
Christ himself, who is equal with his Father, is nevertheless not ashamed of the title servant. Isaiah 53, 11. Every servant of God is a son. Every subject a prince. It is more honor to serve God than to have kings serve us. The angels in heaven are servants of the saints on earth. 3. Safety. God takes care of his servants. He gives them protection. Thou art my servant, fear not, for I am with thee. Isaiah 41, 9 and 10. God hides his servants. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Psalm 27, 5. That is, he shall keep me safe, as in the most holy place of the sanctuary, where none but the priests might enter. Christ's wings are both for healing and for hiding, for curing and securing us. Malachi 4, 2. The devil and his instruments would soon devour the servants of God if he did not set an invisible guard about them and cover them with the golden feathers of his protection. Psalm 91, 4. I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. Acts 18, 10. God's watchful eye is always on his people, and the enemies shall not do the mischief they intend. They shall not be destroyers, but physicians. 4. Gain. Atheists say it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinances? Malachi 3.14 Besides the advantages which God gives in this life, sweet peace of conscience, he reserves his best wine till last. He gives a glorious kingdom to his servants. Hebrews 12.28 The servants of God may for a while be kept under and abused, but they shall have promotion at last. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. John 12, 26. 5. Assistance. Other masters cut out work for their servants, but do not help them in their work. But our master in heaven gives us not only work, but strength. Thou strengthenest me with strength in my soul. Psalm 138, 3. God bids us serve him, and he will enable us to serve him. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Ezekiel 36, 27. The Lord not only fits his work for us, but fits us for our work. With his command, he gives power. 6. Supplies. A master will not let his servants be in want. God's servants shall be provided for. Verily thou shalt be fed. Psalm 37, 3. Does God give us a Christ, and will he deny us a crust? The God which fed me all my life long. Genesis 48, 15. If God does not give us what we crave, he will give us what we need. The wicked who are dogs are fed. Philemon 3, 2. If a man feeds his dog, surely he will feed his servant. O oh, then, who would not be in love with God's service. 
Thirdly, we are engaged to serve God. We are bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6.20 This is a metaphor taken from such as ransom captives from prison by paying a sum of money for them. They are to be at the service of those who ransomed them. So, when the devil had taken us prisoners, Christ ransomed us with a price, not of money, but of blood. Therefore, we are to be only at his service. If any can lay a better claim to us than Christ, we may serve them. But Christ having the best right to us, we are to cleave to him and enroll ourselves forever in his service. This has been Puritan's Read, Book 3, Episode 5. The Godly Man's Picture, Chapter 4, Showing the Characteristics of a Godly Man, and Sections 5 through 6a.